Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message is titled, A Beer to Quench the Thirst by Pastor Walter Arias. Is it a sin, Pastor, to have a glass of wine or a beer? Let's see what the Word of God has to say with respect to this topic. Enjoy the message, and may God bless you. Let us pray, if you allow me, and you join me. Good God, we continue in your presence, and in this moment, we have this opportunity to share your Word, to read it, asking that through it, you speak to us in this moment, to all of us, to those that are present, and those that are home, in other cities, and those that are going to be exposed in to this word and I ask for a receptive card, a heart and in me you put a spirit of boldness to share how it suits Lord take away Father everything that could affect this moment and we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ and the church of the Lord says amen amen then this morning I want to speak of a relevant topic and I think it's very important it's very important because it has to do with the humans and alcoholic beverages and better we could say with the human with I'm sorry with the Christian and the alcoholic beverages and why do I make the difference because we that are here we're in Christ or some that are going to start being in Christ those of us that are here we have a new path a new walk and we have a spiritual experience and a spiritual growth so there's a difference when we did not have this calling to the heart of life So perhaps as the Bible speaks something or something important about alcoholic beverages. Pastor, is it sin to drink a beer or a wine? And before that question, I ask myself, why do you ask? <laughs> And by the word of God, we want to show a historical reality, a reality that I think we all know. When I say historic is because the human history, because maybe your own life, it's a cultural and historic where many of us have been enclosed and I enclosed myself. We have made mistakes and have fallen by the word. I want to show you an advice. Today, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do or what you can't do. I'm going to tell you what the word says. Amen. Say to the person to your side what the word says. I'm going to give you and show you some text so that you can see through the word and a warning, say a warning, say it loud, a warning, a warning with respect to the topic that we're speaking of. Perhaps at the end you could say or decide or deduce if you're going to drink alcoholic beverages is good for you or for your children or for your generations. And the alcoholic beverages in the Bible are present, but that they're present is not necessarily that they're impulsing, it's just the Bible is a book that speaks of life, of the behaviors, of the behaviors of civilizations, of behavior of an individual. So the Bible registers things that if you don't look well the context, it looks like that you can understand that they're impulsing you to drink wine, that they're impulsing you to drink. And there's uh, one of the texts that are the alcoholics uh, used to defend their way. It's the wedding of Canaan. They know that scripture. Analyze. They don't know anything else, but they say, Jesus changed water into wine. 
but they don't understand the cultural context or the historical context is that there was a problem of waters, the sub, waters, subterranean waters. They didn't have portable water, even though it was water that came from a well, but it had many uh, damaging organisms for the health. So the wine, the grape juice was important, was important in the culture. And today, thanks to God, we have water. We have pure water. Amen. Now, now the sadness is going to start. No, Pastor, what about that? Pastor, you ruined my party. I'm going to have no. Take it easy. I didn't come to uh, mess anything up. So alcoholic beverages, then. The word says things that says that wine uh, makes the soul happy. But they don't understand that the Bible, the Bible is not saying to drink the wine to get your soul happy. The what Bible, what it's saying, that a person, when they drink wine, so they look a little happy, right? Yes. And they start to smile and they start to speak more and all they see it nice. Yes. And if they didn't dance, they start to dance because the heart almost starts to like spark. Have you noticed a person that is always quiet and when they start to drink wine, they start to speak like 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 if they were just recently released of being kidnapped. <laughs> so then these drinks or as the Bible says is not referring to the joy but that it's true that the alcoholic beverages stimulate the body stimulate the brain and the behavior of a person it's saying a truth in the context today if somebody was to speak for the Bible if they were going to add to the canon of the Bible they would say the marijuana makes people laugh but with that they're not saying that to smoke marijuana so you could laugh you come here, you lift your hands, and we tickle you and you laugh because you're going to laugh. <laughs> Let's understand then how the texts are written. But also it's true that the alcohol has brought and brings sicknesses, ruin, and if it brings joy to the person that drinks, it also brings diseases, ruin, divorce, unwanted pregnancies, strife, homicides, and also have brought bad testimonies for the new believers and a bad reputation for the leaders of the church. Alcohol, the alcohol transforms a person. And when I started in the path of the Lord, I made use of a social drink because that was in my weakness. My weakness was not alcohol. My weakness was cocaine. My weakness was was drugs. And I was attracted to other things, not so much to alcohol, but I made use of it. And when I converted to the Lord, I shared the gospel. I have to confess this. I shared the gospel. And the weekends, I had a push cart, it's called, of a hot dog push cart in Medellin. I would sell hot dogs in the neighborhood where I lived. And I would take the best hot dogs of the city of Medellin. <laughs> I have to be honest. I can't lie. <laughs> and I would do that. And I would take the cart on Fridays. It was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. From 6 o'clock in the evening to 11, 12 o'clock at night. Even sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning, if it was Friday or Saturday. And I would buy all the things. And I would buy a little bottle of brandy. And, and I would mix it with Coca-Cola. And I would serve my friends and I would speak of Christ. <laughs> but then I felt strange. There was something in me that then I would feel strange. I would feel, in fact, 
I had a collection of cigarettes and I didn't smoke, but I had a collection of, I went, uh, there was a contraband in Colombia from everywhere. And I had like 200 boxes of cigarettes from different countries. And I was such a good friend that when I would explain the gospel, I would give a little bit of, uh, of rum with them, rum with Coca-Cola or brandy with Coca-Cola or, or Pepsi because of propaganda here. <laughs> And I would say, do you want a cigarette? And I would give them a cigarette because I wanted, what I wanted was to attend to my friends, to take care of them. I just didn't understand that I was attending them with a double morality. I was giving a living word, but I was giving them a bitter drink. And, and the weakness of some of them, maybe this made them go even deeper into alcoholism. And I said it, I did it because I didn't know for lack of or ignorance, of course. So then... The question then is, is bad to have a, a beer or a rum and coke? Some, this message is like making them go, hmm, they're, they're, they're salivating right now. It troubles me the fact. Before that situation, before that, I was troubled so much that I had to go to my pastor. So something I always use is that I made use of my pastor of the spiritual authorities for which I feel very happy because for that, that's what it was. So I would call my pastor for whatever thing. Pastor, is this bad? Pastor, is that bad? And my pastor with a smile always. And in this case, he said, son, what is your question? I said, pastor, is it bad to have a beer? And then him smiling said, it's better. You know what? Pray to God. Ask God that he reveal it to you. That he revealed the answer to your heart. So today I could say to all of you, pray to God, read the word, but ask God from your heart, because I did it. And because I had a confusion that God took me out of thievery, from evilness, from drugs, but I had a part that was social, that was from a nice cultural. And that part, I felt something strange inside here in my mind. And it was a continuous question. Is it good? Is it not good? Is it good? Is it not good? And so I made a decision to pray. And I lifted a powerful prayer. Practical. God is very wise. And there's people that ask God for uh, that, that signs that favor them. Yes? And I asked the Lord a sign. And the time that I asked for signs or if I asked the Lord for something, I asked him to show it to me in the hardest way. Not a way that satisfies me. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I ask you, I said, I started to pray. I said, I ask you, Lord, that if alcohol is bad for me, that the next time that I drink, that I get sick, really sick, that I get nauseous, that I get, I vomit something strange in my head. And that's how I prayed. So a weekend passed and my wife went and looked at me one day. She became very affectionate. <laughs> And she gave me a subliminal message. And then, like the couple, like the tenderness, let us be together. Let us sit, let us share some time. So then I went and I bought two beers. And when we drank, I tasted it. And there was something so bad in me. And I had desire to vomit immediately. My head started wanting to explode. I felt hot and cold flashes, that these great nausea. And I remembered the prayer that it would get make me feel sick. And I went and 
emptied it. I just tasted it, and then I emptied it out because it didn't agree with me. And then I could add that drink as on the list of those great things that God can take away when from your heart, he reveals it to your heart. Walter Arias, that's my personal experience, and I share that with you. Because God, if something that he wants to do is a personalized work with you. When I speak of alcohol or beer, you're going to have to add to that the part that is yours. Maybe it's that or another. I don't know. But the Lord knows in what everyone is going to speak to. Today's topic has a title, A Beer to Quench the Thirst, if it shows up. A beer to quench the thirst. The ushers can go and send some napkins <laughs> to the congregants. A beer to quench the thirst. And it even has a Proverbs 31, 4 and 5. Very good. And let us speak of three things. The first is the process. I want you to take no, uh, notes on this, the process. And when I speak of the word process, I speak of the process of a drunkenness. Listen well. A process of a drunkenness or a process of a fall. Don't get lost. Don't get distracted. When I speak of a process, I speak of a process of a drunkenness. That they become drunk. Or what is the process of the fall of a human in alcoholism and in drunkenness or in alcoholism, however you want to call it, that it turns or becomes, that also applies, it's applied to any type of vice, to anything that for as much as they promote it, behind it has something that is orchestrating to have the society enslaved. So we're going to use the use of Proverbs 23, Proverbs 23, verse 29 to 35. That's why I say take notes. So then you're going to say, where does that say? So if one day they ask you and you don't have the notes, look at that in the internet through YouTube. And verse 29 says, who has woe? Say woe. Like, oh, like if you hit your finger, woe. So who is the woe for? Ugh. So who has sorrow? Who has contentions? And I stop there. So who has woe in the house? Who's the woe going to be for? When you're in jail. Who's the woe going to be for? Who's the sorrow going to be? For the Who's going to be the fights or the problems for? What does it say, the person that wrote this? It says here. Who has complaints? You wasted all the money? And the money from the rent? You son of a gun. Let's see it like in a masculine. Woman, you've wasted all the money? You wasted all the alcohol. Because we always uh, associate that with the man. But the reality is, in marriages, any one of those could be in that situation. And the matrimonial complaints and the complaints towards the children that start trying the wine. And they're the parents, if they don't like it, when they see a child drinking alcohol. For who? Are the wounds without cause? A wound without cause. Look what the Bible is saying. Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? And you're going to analyze what the word says there in verse, responding there in verse 30 
the following. Those who linger long at the wine. So all that was read before, the problems in the family, the problems of finances, the contentions with the family, the contentions with the children, accidents that are not necessary, the wounds that are unnecessary, the fights in the retreat because you get, you know, brave, the woman or the man, and they challenge everyone, the young person that's very skin, skinny, he now becomes like He-Man and now he wants to fight with everyone. And how does it end up? Like nothing. For who? Then the answer is here in verse 30. Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed. Those that mix drinks. So the Bible of Proverbs that is so old. Some that are here this age. We know that they have said. Don't mix alcoholic beverages. A beer with uh, some whiskey or anything else through there. It's mortal for your health. And the Bible said it years ago, saying this to the generations. Verse 31, do not look on the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, because it goes when it swirls around smoothly. And I want to make emphasis here, if you allow me. I want to retake this text. Verse 30, for those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, and then it says, do not look on the wine when it's red. Remember that the topic that I'm speaking or the subtopic is the fall. What is the process of the fall of a person in alcoholism or in any type of vice? What is the process of the fall of a human or a society or a culture with respect to the alcoholic beverages? The Bible dictates it first, that they look at the wine when it's red. When it says, don't look at the wine when it's red, it's to say, when the grapes, that uh, the juice is taken out from them, it's pure, but it starts to turn red in the time that the days are passing, and a natural process of fermentation occurs. So then this, the person that wrote this Proverbs, assuredly Solomon, is saying, don't look at a drink that is already fermented. Are you with me? Don't look at the wine when it's red. He's saying, don't look at a, a drink that has alcohol. 21st century. Please put the image of the beer up. Do not look. A bottle that is already saying 5% alcohol, 10% of alcohol, 15% of alcohol, 50% of alcohol. Put the bottle, please, of the beer, the image of the beer on the screen, please. Because if you look at the bottles of all the wine, of all the drinks, they're always going to, by law, they have to tell you the percentage of alcohol that it has. If I put it in the context, the historical context, the man of Proverbs, the King Solomon assuredly would be saying, don't look that drink because it is already fermented and it's ready to do a damage. The question or the topic that we're is, is what is the process of the fall? The first is that we expose ourselves to a drink that is already saying to us that has alcohol. And it's saying here, don't look that bo at that bottle that's saying it has alcohol, the first. So I ask you a question from the Bible. Does the Bible show us to the people that are wise from the story of history that it's good to not look something that is fermented? Is the Bible teaching us that? Yes. So then everyone, we do how we want. You could drink it all you want. You want, you could buy the factory. But now they're giving you a warning. And the other thing that they're saying there is that don't mix 
that don't start tasting something and then another and then another. Curiously, when a person doesn't like a alcoholic beverage, they start to look another alcoholic beverage. If they don't like that one, then they look for another one until they find the one they like. And there's some people that they say, I only drink whiskey. Like they're so <laughs> elegant. And the other, I only drink aguardiente. And they, and they say, yeah, ordinary. And the other says, I only drink vodka. Almost like they learn Russian to say vodka. And they start and they start and they say that beer. Uh, what's that beer? How is it? Ah, Dos Equis, you know it. <laughs> you know the name. No, I'm just playing. Is that I didn't I didn't know if it was Tres Equis or Dos Equis. <laughs> they don't respect nothing here. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. So then, verse 31 again says, Do not look on the wine when it's red. Speaking, it says there, Do not look on the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup. Put the image of the beer again, please. And when we say, when you see those, the condensation water dropping it, and that foam that looks like, oh, so good. That's going to give me a mustache and... Those that don't have one like that. <laughs> and so the wine, they take it. They don't take it because the one that takes a cup of wine is because they don't know. Those that drink wine. If you take it like this, you have never drank wine, is what you drank was alcohol. <laughs> So they put the hand like this and they go like that, right? They hold, And they smell it. Yes, because that's what the people that drink wine, that's what they do. Is it like that or not? I told you. See, those of you that know that are saying yes. They go and they go. Oh, this was made in 1948. <laughs> but look at what the Bible says. Do not look on the wind when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup that you've seen in the cup, when it swirls around how smoothly it goes in. Ooh, it goes to your brain. And there, everything that happens in Disney at 12 o'clock at night, the fireworks that happen at Disney, that's what happens in your body. Look at what happens there. It says, at the last, it bites like a serpent. And when it says that it goes, uh, it, it swirls around smoothly, so it enters smoothly, but in the end, the person is like, whoa, hey, hey, oh. And the ugly person, they see nice, right? <laughs> That's why they call the ones that beautify. Let us drink a beautifier. That's what it's saying. This is going to make us look well. So it enters smoothly, but then it enters smoothly. And you say, oh, but I only drank one. But let me apply another way this text. When the person drinks one only, you say it didn't do any damage. That didn't make any damage. You don't know. Because the next weekend, there's going to be another party or meeting. You're going to have another 
And you're going to say, it didn't damage anything. Okay, it didn't do any damage. You think that. But then after, they're going to invite you to a wedding and then to a party and then to some friends from graduation and smoothly you're being inclined and you're the slave to a life of alcohol and you made it part of your being, of your character. It doesn't happen from the night to day. No one becomes an addict from the night to the day. No one falls into a type of disgrace like that from one day to another. It's something that's, it's almost camouflage. And when you least expect it, it's part of your being. Let us look what happens when the person saw the wine when it's red, when he mixed, and when he was detained in it, when he's part of that, it says, at last it bites like a serpent. What? The alcohol. And stings like a viper. Verse 33. Everyone, please. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. The person starts to look. The, they, they become tough. They want to fight. And then the words come out that they never said. The gross things. And from the abundance of your heart, the mouth starts to speak. They start to take all the garbage out. They start to put problems who they never said anything. And they go and say, and you and this, this, come here. Come on, let's go. Because why? Because now for a while, this bit them like a serpent in the heart. Verse 34, 33, once again, sorry. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast. Saying, read it with me, verse 35. They have struck me. Everyone, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I await that I may seek another drink? What does a person say when they're already in these steps? They fought, they didn't even notice it. My brothers and sisters, you had a fight. Look, you went between four or five. How? They hit you hard. Look at how you all swollen. But it didn't hurt. Look, I'm hurt. I didn't even notice. And tell me if the Bible where it's mistaken with something with a advice that it gives that it's dangerous to come to that alcoholic beverages and make use of it in any time of your age in life. Tell me where God wants to damage us with this biblical text. If the only thing he wants to prevent this for us, but he's not going to obligate you to not do it or to do it. He's not going to put the desire to do it or not to do it. That's a determination. Everyone chooses. Everyone decides what they want to do, how they want to form their character. Let us look at the origin or the cause of this fall. Because we're falling of the, how you fall into alcoholism, how you fall into a social damage, into a damage of the family, because the cause of a little bit, a little taste. But let us look at the origin or what causes this. Amen? Where it comes from. The original cause. And I want to see some, cite some things. And you can deduce even more. But the causes or the origin of how this use of Alcoholic beverages, I could see it in something that's in, called ignorance. Ignorance. I remember a cousin, my cousin Monica, and I say the name. My cousin died, but a cousin, when younger, I remember in some vacations, we would always, that we would go where my family chose to, and we would go in that time there in a warm land, and there 
one time I remember, it doesn't erase from my mind, I was a child, that my cousin in the crib was crying a lot. And his, her father, my, my uncle, took, he was drunk. He took, he says, I'll take that away. He went and he took the pacifier, the pacifier that they put in the uh, child to suck on, and he put it in something of uh, the uh, liquor aguardiente, and he put it in the baby's mouth, a baby of just months, because she was crying. Ignorance. Did he do well for her? Look at what my uncle did in his drunkenness. He doesn't have any... He becomes... He thinks he knows it all. But my cousin, I ask... Maybe that took her to be initiated into when she grew to continue consuming that. Maybe it doesn't say that that if you give a little bit of soup to get us used to it or that we have to give a little bit of that so that they can become used to it. Is it true or not, ladies? Yes. So then is it maybe that that had and maybe then my uh, uncle didn't have the intention to do it. But yes, he could have created a conduct so you could understand or to develop. Or possibly with that, that later a conduct is developed. So I speak of ignorance. Our ignorance. I thought my uncle was ignorant in that. Because they say it's something that's common. And in the end, because of ignorance, a person could be initiated to alcohol or addicted because of ignorance. You go to a place, you're in a place, and someone serves you... An alcoholic beverage. I had a situation with a family also on some vacations, and we were there. Very good. I don't remember the place, and I'm not going to say the names, but we were all leaving the hotel, and I'm walking with my wife. When I come back, a cousin of mine offered to my son in my absence. I'm absent a block and then I came back those things of parents I said no let us go and wait and I go back and he was offering an alcoholic beverage to my son and with that was to damage his vacation and mine because I had to confront them quickly and I said stop being irresponsible I'm his father and you have no authority over him don't impulse my child to those things oh cousin you with your things I asked the question what things if I know where the Lord took me out of I ask you, what things, if I know where Christ took me out of, if I know what he wants to avoid from my family and my child? For curiosity is the other one. For curiosity. We're speaking of the origin or the problems or what could take a person to become an alcoholic or dependent of the substance. The other is by curiosity to see how one feels. There's a... There's a, a saying that when the cat's away, the mice will play. Or curiosity killed the cat. Curiosity killed the cat. We have it all. And many times some, by curiosity, or some by curiosity, are going to want to see what they feel like. And I'm going to speak of my personal case to not uh, signal to anybody or point anyone out. But my personal case, the curiosity, because to me, my parents raised me in an environment with my family the weekends and my mother knows she's fine and my sister Christ forgave us from that 
And he took us out of that. But it's a truth. In my house, every weekend, you would drink in my house alcohol. There was games. There was playing cards. There was alcohol as well. And the waiter, the bartender, was me when I was young. Nine years old. Ten years old. And I was, I always had that, that gift to attend. I like to attend people, attend to people. So as a child, my instinct of attention, I mixed it to attend them. And I was the one that would serve them the liquor. And they would give me small tips. I was working as a child. <laughs> but the little that was left, the curiosity that a child at nine years old would do, the little bit that was left, right? You go, mm, I would go just curiosity and in the end because of curiosity a person could be initiated or addicted to alcohol are you with me third for a harmful culture and i remember that we're speaking on the topic of the origin of the cause how how's it originated a damage the other could be Monkey see, monkey do. I'm flying with the English. Monkey see, monkey do. Culture. A harmful culture. We have very harmful cultures, even though that they're very good. I say the Colombian culture, and forgive me, I say it's very nice, but it's also so dangerous as it is good. It's good, like something good. Very dynamic, but it's also so dangerous because cultures invite us to some environments that start forming our part of our character. Because I finished speaking Spanish, and when I relate with people in the United States, I finish speaking English. And when I relate with Chinese people, what do I in Mandarin, right? And if I relate in a culture of alcohol, what do I finish speaking? Alcohol. It's so simple as that. It's damaging cultures. And perhaps this is the biggest cause of the misfortune of alcoholism or the social harm or the cultural heritages that we have. The famous social drink, the famous celebration, a little bit, a little bit. And as the title put it, please, as you're so kind, this is an expression very cultural. Say one, two, three. A beer to quench the thirst. Imagine what culture has given us. That a beer to quench the thirst. There's an excuse in a cultural way. I already have an excuse. That takes away my thirst. So I have an excuse within me. They told me that they put it all the time in the commercials. Everything that was related with heat and sun is satisfied with a beer. Dos Equis. Uh, or Pilsner, or Heineken, whatever, Pre Presidente, Corona, whichever one, continue, don't be embarrassed, you know the names, continue saying, go ahead, which others, which others did you say, go ahead, continue, Budweiser, you see, how they put all that propaganda in our heads, it's a culture then, so we're speaking that culture is Harmful, it's the truth, in that harmful culture. So there's an opportunity financial for those that have the rights and the laws, and they have a capital to make a business that even though it damages society, listen, that even though it damages society, now legally, they could 
instituted it. They could decree it as something that is fine. That's why you could drink alcohol. The question is, should we drink alcohol? Because legally you can. But curiously, they say no to the people that are underage. Wait a moment. Why to those that are minors and adults? Yes, because the adults can decide. So who says that a a 14-year-old isn't deciding in so many things of life? And who says to you that a child that's 12 years old is not making decisions consciously? Who says that a young person of 16 years doesn't make decisions? But culturally, you put a tag of a time. And always, look at the propaganda. Look, I want you to analyze this. The youth of ours, if we grew up in cultures where they said to me that alcohol was dangerous for health and as such, tobacco and everything else, and they would say that you cannot send, sell it to the men, minors, there's a double propaganda with this. So it's to say... If you become of age, you're now a man and a woman that you have the right to celebrate because you grew and it's such. Now, yes, I can buy liberally because I'm 18 years or 21 years, whatever it may be. Are you understanding? And analyze that there's youth that are waiting to grow a little bit. They're waiting. Oh, I'm still 15, but you know what? But I'm going to be 18 one day. You know that I'm going to be 18. Because then they have in their mind, because they put it in their mind, that you could drink if you're of age. And that's their conquering. And their heart has been conquered by the propaganda and by the companies that benefit from all this. And today, they're putting through everywhere the legalism of marijuana to make it legal. And the point is going to come, and we're going to have to accept that it's legalized. The question is, is it necessary for a human being? Is it necessary for you or for me? Because that one has a major contradictions. That one, yes. And they take you to mix because alcohol mix with marijuana and marijuana with, with cocaine, cocaine with crack or with heroin and, and with mushrooms and and you start through there trying and that takes you all a person that you mix it with with illicit sex with loss why because their being for a while has been in all of that when they become like that when it was something that was by steps because one day they looked they looked, they looked, and they were detained looking at the bottle, and they looked at the bottle, and easily it went in, and they became turning the person in something that was not the design of God. In the end, for a harmful culture, a person can fall into the networks of social drinking, and with that, fall into drunkenness and alcoholism. The other is for concupiscence you would say if you don't know it that one is you're going to forget concupiscence concupiscence is a disorganized appetite of pleasures or disordered appetite of pleasures concupiscence is something that every human being has commonly known as lust so something we have something that is called concupiscence we're attracted to something because something that is attracted from a child it's different that their friend is, it's different that that someone that a classroom of 45 students is attracted to, is that we have, all of us that are here, we're attracted 
to the same disordered appetite of pleasures. There's some that like one thing and they're attracted to one thing that damages them. And then there's others that we're attracted to something else that damages us and that wants to take us to death. Are you with me? Each and every one of us has a different appetite. Have you heard the version to coming out of the closet? That person came out of the closet. And it's always in a way that expectation they said, and what do we say to that? To a person that is homosexual, right? Yes. Of an orient, a sexual orientation that's different of what their body dictates. So they say that this person came out of the closet. That person, but also the thief, a bank robber, came out of the closet. Because when he was a child, he took things that was not his. And then he took something from his mother. And then to take something from someone else that wasn't theirs. And then when he was older, then he was inclined to take what was not his. And then there's a point in his life that he becomes a professional thief. And that's his lifestyle. And in the friends that he has, they know that they're thieves. He also came out of the closet then. The deceiver came out of the closet. All the things that you can imagine are conducts that according to the Bible in the human being from a child, there's some attractions, animal instincts that take you to develop that you're going to develop something if it's not a divine intervention that comes and a word that transforms you. But all humans have that concupiscence. So let's look at it in the Bible. In James chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. James chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Not, not the beer, <laughs> corona, not the crown. Okay, the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And I stop there. Analyze the message, the subliminal message in the beer, the Corona beer. They're saying that you need a crown. Corona in Spanish is, I mean, in English is crown. Look, even in spiritual terms. So the text says that the crown of life, that what God wants to give us to the man and the woman that endures temptation. What temptation? Oh, we're speaking as today as a basic topic as beer, alcohol, but it could be marijuana. It could be uh, cigarettes. It could be uh, pornography. It could be uh, many things. Each and every one of you will understand what God is telling you. But when we overcome those things that attract us, the Bible says that we're blessed when we overcome something that's taking and making us to do that it wants us that impulses us we know it's bad and 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 it takes us to do it and it causes us spiritual death interior in your emotions and you know you're wrong and then i don't i have remorse i don't repent but i fall again and the lord says when i endure temptation then i'm a blessed person because god is going to give me a crown of life and it's a life that has control of things. Give the glory to God. If God has and wants to do something to give to you and to me, it's to give us life and life abundantly. Not a life in enslavement. Not a life that is damaged. A life that causes pain. No, not only my life, but all those that are around me as well. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. Read 14 in a loud voice if you can, please. If not, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires 
and enticed. Stop there. By their own desires, their disordered appetite of pleasures internally. And that they're attracted. That's why you see a child, maybe there's a moment inclined to to look another at another boy. And vice versa. Or the child that's inclined to take, or the one that's inclined to lie, or the child that's inclined to fight. Or the child that is inclined to leave, run away from home. Analyze that every child is different and inclined to something. It's something that's innate. It's a, uh, it's the carnal part of the human being. We were born in a fallen world. So then it says there that we're tempted when we're drawn away and enticed by that desire. Verse 15. Then look, verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives... So after it's conceived, now it becomes part of you. It's clear of one that has an inclination to what? It gives birth to what? It gives birth to sin. So it's preparing itself. And now the part comes that you commit a sin. And sin, when it's full grown. So when it's grown, so I can have sin here. Yes? But it's another thing that I do it with my body. Are you with me? It says, and I take it then. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. Once one sins, they die spiritually. And as fact, suddenly you sin, you feel bad, like, like we have to start all over, or like we never started. Because that's what sin produces. It's a desire that was generated, then that sin was consumed, and that brings us to a spiritual death. So then there, in verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. And read 17, verse 17. Every good gift, so every good gift, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What is this saying? God... What he wants is good things for you, for me, and for my children, and for my generation. In the plan of God, there's no social damage. In the plan of God, that the the lust of concupiscence comes to brings to sin, and sin brings you to death. That's not God's plan for us. The plan of God is of life, and that's why we're here. And if you're not clear why you're here, you're here. It's to live. You and I are here because we want life, because we want to change, because the natural life, the concupiscence in us takes us to something bad, and we need someone greater so they can help us to overcome, and we can have that crown of life reserved for those of us that love the Lord. How many can say amen? And there's an image of a... Uh, of a famous man, Martin Luther. And he said these words, and I want you to see the image, please. You cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Look at the bun of that woman. 
it's now turned into a nest. Look, the birds fly. But it's another thing if I let them to come and make a nest, the thoughts come and go. You and I know that. The thoughts come. In a moment, boom, there's a thought that you go, oh, what's this? And you say, Lord, what's this? Lord, where did this come, this evilness? Lift your hands if that's not true. Lift your hands, those of you. We all know it. Of that part of that lustful desire within us, of that fallen part within us, that old part, that natural part, that dead part in us, that part without Christ, the part of sin. Brings us some thoughts, boom, to the mind. It's another thing that I let those thoughts start to get strength in my mind. And I then support them and they start to prepare the terrain because then I execute a sin. I finish doing something that takes me to death. Let us say this. Let us read it. One, two, three. You can cannot keep birds from flying over your head. But you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. The other thing, speaking of the origin of where these things come from, the other is from your voluntary stubbornness, your voluntary stubbornness. And the Bible calls that a cauterized mind. And that's the part that uh, scares me in Christians. That's why I said from the beginning, this topic is relevant for a society that is exposed to alcohol, but more relevant for a community that's Christian that is exposed to the same thing. And with this, when I speak of alcohol, it's just this many substances, many things, many sins that we have to separate and depart from. And we can't look at it because we're going to fall in that network. Stubbornness. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 28. The Word of God says, the context is very, I want you to read it, and it's referred, the relations to men to men and women to women, and why they're given to these passions, but it's applicable to this, because it's applicable to any, it says, because although they knew God, what does it say? They did not glorify him. Read it loud. One, two, three. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Who is this speaking to? To us today. We say that I believe in God, that I love God, that I want to honor God. And nonetheless, I do things that do not glorify him. That becomes a constant behavior in me. Then I'm, I want to love God. I want to love God. But I do something that continually is taking the glory away or not glorifying God. There's a big danger there. And that's where you, the fatal fall of people. And you go, but wasn't he a Christian? What a danger. Let us, we have our mind cauterized of voluntary stubbornness, a burnt mind. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. No, we're thankful but became futile. Come on, church, let's read this. But became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Stop there. That's not bad. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, but I have control. Oh, no. But you don't have self-control. That's what the companies of alcohol, of marijuana, and everything that they're, all the companies that are doing, listen well. This is a complaint for the United States, for the government of the United States and other countries that are supposedly developed. 
because if it was for righteousness, then the Colombians and the Mexicans should be the owners of all the companies of marijuana from now on. Because for them, for years, they put them into jail, those that were selling marijuana, so many people that sold drugs, and the government of the United States comes and makes a law and approves laws, and the powerful empires and everybody that has money make laws, and now with all the money, they start an infrastructure, and they invade Colombia like now, and now for everyone, because they've approved a type of marijuana that could come from Colombia, another from Mexico, another from El Salvador, and then why don't they let or release those that they have in jail for years because they sold the same thing? What a double standard. That is so great. And forgive me if I get emotional. That gives me a pain for the society, for the community, and for the darkness that we have in our reasoning. If not that they were futile in their thoughts when we find the excuse. What is the preaching today? Say it loud. Don't be afraid. Maybe you'll learn something. A beer to quench the thirst. Are you understanding the reasoning? Look at the reasoning. What it say? Oh, this is for the thirst. This is a toast. This is for a toast. This is because we won. Because we won the football game. And the others say, oh, because we lost. So analyze. They get drunk. The one that won and the one that lost. Everyone has a reasoning as to why to do something. My beloved brethren, I'm speaking of a topic that what you do. I want you to let your heart receive what God wants to speak to you in the place that he needs to speak. Amen. Give the glory to God. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. If there's no knowledge, if there's no truth given, then how can there be a change within me? Unless they put evidences and then I see what I do with it. Or if I give glory to God as this text says, and I glorify him once and for all. And perhaps one of you today are going to come out from that social drinking or alcoholism that you have because you need it every week. <clears throat> that you have red eyes and not that maybe your wife is hitting you or your husband is hitting you. But because of that, but you're going to remove a lot of problems from the family. It's going to remove a problem. You're, you're going to take an opportunity of an unwanted pregnancy because drunk. I'm not going to say anything more. Verse 28, once again. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, then what does God do? God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Say, cauterize. That's to be, to have the thought cauterize, what the Bible speaks of. It's a mind that as much as you say to them, there's nothing more to do. There, they ended up there. They stopped there in that vice. God wanted them, no. Did he send signs? Yes. Did he want to help you? Yes. Did he put a conscience? Did he rebuke you? Yes. Did the conscience say, don't do it? Yes. The people said, don't do it? Yes. The bottle said, don't drink because it's fermented? Yes. See, all the yeses are there on behalf of God so we don't get into that damage or others. But our personal reasoning and because of our own personal lust, we give more to our old life and we finish doing things that are not approved by God. And then he says then, then do it. 
So then God continues his life. His mercy is extended. Yes, of course. And when that person over there, from one way or another, or they go to death and they die with that, not without, in that disgrace he dies, whatever it may be, or one day may be there, a goodness arrives. Be careful of doing things, one thing. Let us be careful of doing one thing that we know is bad and we continue doing it and we say to the Lord, forgive me once again. Call that a vice, a thievery, whatever you want to call it. Things that are illicit. And I finish doing illicit things, not paying taxes and invading the taxes. Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Finish, period. Lord, and if you don't you don't pay taxes and your disciples and Jesus says grab that fish and what was in the mouth he says pay for you and me and we with our reasoning as we how I deceive my country how I deceive I have to pay taxes before I had pain doing it but now I say glory to God you know why I say glory to God because I have to pay, right? I have something to pay. If I have to pay taxes, it's because I have a job. I have money to pay, right? Look at where I can apply it. Are you understanding? Well, you can consider. And the last thing I'm going to speak of is the opportunity. Forgive me that I've extended, but I think it's important. Opportunity. And when I speak of opportunity, is the opportunity some listen well so that they don't fall in these vices and none of them. The word of God says is blessed is the man that wasn't in evil counsel. And if I'm speaking to the youth, those that are there, the young people, if today I'm speaking and it's good for you, then take it as a counsel of life. But don't feel like it's a bad advice. Don't feel or don't go to your friends that maybe from university are not the best counselors because they're so innocent or so filled with their lust like you. But the Bible says, blessed is the youth that did not walk in evil counsel and didn't believe the tags of the uh, beer and the propagandas that say you could drink. Today, I would say, consider that your life is more valuable. It's going to make you a slave and you're going to become a dependent person. You're not going to notice. And may God not allow that to happen. But also this opportunity is to come out of this condition. If you're a slave, if you're battling against this vice or others, so today perhaps God gives you a word that this one can be not more clear. Do you think the word of God is clear? I think it's very clear to the heart. And with this word, I don't want to offend anyone because I include myself. I know why I'm speaking of this. Because I know what I have to detain from and what God has taken me out of and takes whoever he wants to out of. So then, if you want to grow and you want to go, I remind you, verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Please read it. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, to this social thinking or cultural thinking. Don't be trans conformed to this bad advice that you receive, but be transformed. Be a 
person that is different by the renewing of your mind. So now you have to change those thoughts. Now you have to give good thoughts, thoughts of life, thoughts that glorify God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If something that God has for us is something good, but our reasoning are very dangerous. Be careful with the reasoning. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that this is important for us that are here. Read it in a loud voice with me, please, if you allow me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I come from a land that is disordered of what is uh, vehicles, the motorcycles, they go through air for that looks like they're ants, like an anthill. No one respects anything. And I come to this country or this city, Kissimmee, Central Florida, is a beauty. Truly, this is a privilege to live here. This is like heaven on earth. I don't know how you see it, but for me, it's a blessing, this land here. The streets, the pavement, the laws, everything. And I come in my car with my wife and a motorcycle. A motorcycle goes through those yellow lines and it went through all those cars, something. He almost hit me. And I'm a motorcyclist. I know what that is. I know the infractions that he's committing and the danger he puts others in there. And I get to the light where he had to stop. And I went to the side and he had music, Hispanic music. I'm not going to say what type of music so that you don't <laughs> know the country. And I say, man, what you're doing was very dangerous for you and for me. And his eyes came out. He didn't have, he had a helmet, but he didn't have um, um, goggles. And the man there, and what you do, I did that in my country. But in this country, it's a good country to be a riding a motorcycle. I ride motorcycles and we have everything nice. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, he looked, he ate the red light. And I said, oh, wow, what haughtiness. Why do I say this? Because I came to this country to live well. I came to this country with a hope, with something different. I'm going to come to this country to do the same errors of my country. I'm going to come to this country to become a drunkard like I did in Colombia and the same problems. If they gave me an opportunity in this country is to love this country and to respect it. Let us bless the country that we're in. Let's bless the culture in which we're in. Let us do it right. Let us drive right. I say this because of this text. If someone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If you're with Christ, you're going to still get drunk? You're going to still steal? You're going to still fornicate? You're going to still committing adultery? Put all the things that end with that. Are you going to continue? Doesn't have sense because Christ is giving you an opportunity of life. Take advantage of that life. Are you considered a prince or a princess of God? Yes or no? Do you consider yourself a prince or a princess of God? Those of you lift your hands that consider themselves as a prince or princess of God. Those that are, lift your hands. Don't be embarrassed. Don't lift up your hands. Those that are princes and princesses of God. Okay, you can put your hand down. What does the word of God then say? The words... 
of Lemuel, of a, an advice that his mother gave him. In Proverbs 31, look at the advice. And Lemuel writes it for the generations like ours. His mother said, what my son and what son of my womb and what son of my womb vows do not give your strength to women don't become a, a womanizer know your ways to that which destroys who kings if you're a prince or a princess amen amen prince and prince royalty yes it says there it is not for kings, Olomuel, it's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. When a person starts to drink or get into any vice, you pervert the right of those that are afflicted in your house. You pervert the rights because the drink or what they waste on a vice, you're taking the financial responsibility to the whole family. You pervert that right. Verse 6. Don't misunderstand this. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Don't misunderstand this verse. Drink. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. What is it saying here? Lemuel, that his mother said to him, Look, the drink, it's for a type of people, but not for kings or queens, nor princes or princesses. The vice and the wine of marijuana, of whatever you want to put there, it's not of us for the children of God. Not of a royal priesthood of a chosen people of God. It's not for them. That drink is for the bitter, for the ones that are bored, for the ones that are damaged, for those that have sadness. But if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. So please stand, church, and give the glory to God. Give it to Him greatly. Did someone receive something today? Do you receive something? Then give the glory to He who lives forever. Amen? Put a hand on your chest and close your eyes. Beloved God, today we ask, Lord, for the divine protection personally, but also for our generations, for all those children that are in the classrooms, of the youth that are here, of the world. Fills us with reasoning that takes us to death, but your word is living, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that those that are here, that are in a vice, whichever it may be, that have not been able to let it go, that their minds are not cauterized, Lord, and that you help them in a supernatural way, creating them something, putting them something that makes them hate any vice so that they could be free. I know that you speak to each one specifically and specially, but also we put our coming generations, our children, for which we don't want to see them walking in things that could take them to a failure. Protect our generations, the present and the coming one. And I ask this, God, strengthen us and help us to be examples. The servants of the house help us to be examples because 
when we share a beer or a wine before a brother in the faith or sister in the faith, we don't know if they're just a babe in Christ and they're going to see it bad for a leader or they're going to give it a green light to continue. Keep us and guard us from leaders because it's not for us to get drunk with wine, but allow us to be drunk with the things of the Spirit where there's no dissolution, Lord. We worship you and bless you. I bless these people and receive this worship in this moment, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Please lift your hands, good God. We give you thanks in this day, Lord. And I ask that this word does not return void, but that it fulfills the purpose in which it was sent. I give you thanks for this beautiful people who I bless, the generation that is present, and the coming one, the one that is being lifted up, the children in the classrooms, those babies in the wounds of the women, that they can be born in a heavenly environment. I bless them with your blessing, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Church of the Lord says, Amen. May God bless you all. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos, Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please, share with others. Have a wonderful day.